0: This is Bad Attitudes. Hello, friends and strangers. Welcome to another episode of Bad Attitudes, an uninspiring podcast about disability. I'm your host, Laura. This week, I'm recounting my first real brush with ableism. Today's episode is sponsored by Susan Bibbins. Thank you, Susan. If you are enjoying the podcast, if you find it helpful and informative, and you would also like to sponsor an episode, consider buying me a coffee. Go to ko-fi.com slash badattitudespod to donate the cost of a coffee towards the expenses of running this podcast. Send any questions, comments, or ideas to badattitudespod at gmail.com or reach out on social media. Follow at Bad Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with your friends and be sure to subscribe so you are notified every time I drop a new episode. Please take a minute to leave a review for the podcast. It really helps us get in front of new potential listeners. I'll put direct links to where you can leave a review in the episode description. As always, I want to remind you that disability is not a monolith. Although some aspects are universal, my experience as a disabled person is going to be different from the experiences of other disabled people. I am one voice for the disabled community, but I am not the only voice. When I say that this is my first brush with ableism... That's extremely misleading. Obviously, I would have experienced ableism in the form of microaggressions or egregious statements before this point in time. So when I say this is my first experience with ableism, I mean that when I look back at my memories of being a child, this is the experience that stands out to me as being obviously ableist and is cemented in my memories. This happened when I was about nine years old. I had been a Girl Scout for a few years at this point, a brownie specifically. If you've ever been a Girl Scout, you know that when girls age up between the different levels, i.e. brownies to juniors, they have what is called a flying up ceremony. Or they did when I was a kid. I don't know how they do it now. I was not really Girl Scout material. I was only in it for the cookies. So, at this time, the girls in my troop and I were all aging out of brownies and flying up to juniors. Even though I wasn't continuing on with Girl Scouts, I still got to participate in the ceremony and celebration because it was more about celebrating what we had done than celebrating our going to the next level. One important thing to note about the timing of this story. I turned nine in June of 1990. In July of 1990, the Americans with Disabilities Act was signed into law. I cannot remember precisely when these events happened, but based on what I do remember, I'm going to call it late summer. Which means that if the ADA was enacted at this point, it was very new. My troop was holding our celebration at a local skating rink called Kate's Skate. Kate's is still around today, but I don't want to make it seem like I have a problem with the business itself. What happened was the result of one or two people's behavior, not the whole business, despite the fact that Kate's bills itself as a family-owned business. Remember, this was 30 years ago, so it's unlikely the people we dealt with in 1990 still have a hand in running the business even if they are part of the same family. That being said, I probably still wouldn't go there. So, like I said, we were holding our celebration at this skating rink. I don't remember how many of us there were But I would say there were no more than 15 girls, if that. There were also our troop leaders and some parents. My mom happened to be one of the troop leaders as well. We didn't rent out the whole rink, but we were a substantial enough group. A roller skating rink is a great place to take a kid who uses a manual wheelchair. And I say that without any sarcasm. It's one of the few places where disabled and non-disabled kids can be on as close to a level playing field as possible. Manual wheelchair-using kids can weave, go backwards, and spin with the best of them. We can crack the whip. Roller skating rinks were practically made for manual wheelchair users. I don't know enough about using a power chair to know if the same applies, but let me know if it does. When the troop leaders decided to use Kate's as the site for our celebration, They had to agree that I, the only disabled kid in the group, would only be on the rink with the other girls in the troop, and that if any customers came in who were not with the troop and were on the rink, I would have to cool it. Yes, I recognize now that this in itself was ableism. Was I really more dangerous than a bunch of bipeds on roller skates? Who do you think had more experience on wheels, me or my troop mates? Nevertheless, they agreed, and in retrospect, it probably didn't seem like that big of a deal because the likelihood of a bunch of other customers coming in in the middle of the day and sticking around after seeing a bunch of Girl Scouts bogording the rink was minimal. The first part of the afternoon was gold. I had a blast. I was on the rink with my friends, weaving in and out between them, going backwards, spinning around, I was a freaking ballerina on that rink. I remember all of us laughing and dancing and just having fun being kids. Then another family came in. But they didn't get on the rink. They sat down to eat. And the managers brought up the agreement that we had made about my not being on the rink when there were other customers on the rink. My mom pointed out that this family was eating and they were not on the rink. She approached them and said, Hey, Does it bother you if my adorable daughter is out there on the rink having the time of her life? I may be paraphrasing. They had no problem with it. But the managers had a big problem with it and gave me two options. One, if I wanted to be on the rink with my friends, I had to stay around the edges of the rink. Two, if I wanted to, you know, have fun, I had to go on the rink by myself. Does that sound appealing to you? This whole experience is supposed to be about having fun with my friends, which I had been doing successfully up until this point, but now I'm just supposed to go out on the rink alone and everyone in this place will be staring at me? I mean, I guess if you're really good at skating and you want to show off all your moves and tricks, this might be an appealing prospect, but I was a nine-year-old girl who just wanted to be with my friends. I feel that it should also be noted that the managers had been watching me this entire time maneuver in and around my friends on the rink without hurting anyone. Did they think I was suddenly going to launch over the rink walls into the dining area? I'm going to take a brief tangent from this story to tell you another story. A few years ago, I did some work with a coach who had some practices that we will call "woo." It was basically a lot about energy and internal blocks and stuff like that. She and I are pretty good friends now, and while she's no longer into the woo, a lot of what she did was actually based in real science. At one point, she and I were discussing my fear of failure. As we were going through it, she said that basically, I had internalized the time when I felt like I had failed, which created my fear of failure, which in turn held me back from taking next steps, specifically in my business. A little more talk, and we pinpointed that the event happened around this age, and immediately my mind went to this experience. What she helped me to realize, and eventually to let go of, was that this event made me feel like I had failed at being a kid. All I was doing was having fun with my friends, and somehow I had done it wrong. Now, of course, we all know that I didn't do anything wrong, but it was these people's perceptions of me that were wrong. But how do you explain that to a nine-year-old who is just being a kid and suddenly feels like she is being punished for it? Because that is exactly what was happening. I was being punished not for being a kid, but for being a disabled kid. Back to our main story. A lot went on that I was not privy to, A lot of adult talk, a lot of arguing, a lot of my mom advocating her ass off for me, I'd wager. Whatever it was, the owners of the rink didn't like it and shut the lights and music off. They shut the lights and music off on a bunch of 9 and 10 year old Girl Scouts. I have no idea what happened to that one random family, but if they were smart, they got the hell out of Dodge before this point. But since that wasn't enough to make the adults in my corner back down... The rink managers called the cops. Do you understand the ludicrousness of what I am saying? They called the cops on Girl Scouts because they were afraid to let a little girl play with her friends. In retaliation, my mom called the news stations. I don't know how it was resolved. I mean, no one got arrested and I had my first appearance on TV news if that's what you want to know. I wasn't interviewed. My mom asked me if I wanted to be interviewed, but I turned that down hard. Still, I have a very vivid image of myself from some B-roll a news camera caught. I had just gotten in the back seat of our Dodge Colt. I can clearly see the white of the car's body and the brown of the seats. I was wearing a pinkish t-shirt dress. At this time, I was still wearing leg braces, so you can see those. I had recently cut my very long hair short. And surprising everybody. There was a ton of curl under there. So it was all bushed up around my head. And I was very determinedly not looking in the direction of the news cameras. My body language was embarrassed and defeated. All because some random roller rink managers were scared of a little girl using a wheelchair. This is an extreme example, but fear is one of the primary feelings non-disabled people associate with disability. Fear of it happening to them, fear of what it can do to them. These people, I suppose, were afraid of lawsuits and liability. But think about the perception these people had to have had of disability in order for that to be the first conclusion they jumped to when they learned that the Girl Scout troop using their venue included a little girl with a wheelchair. They saw me as a danger to their customers, to their business, to their livelihood. Me, a child. At nine, I was apparently dangerous enough and savvy enough to take down their entire roller rink empire. I guess I was a budding Sith Lord or something. The power I could have had. I wonder how they remember the events of the day. Probably something like, erratic wheelchair-using child rampages through a roller rink, and her equally chaotic mom verbally abuses management. In truth, if they're still around, they probably don't remember it at all. It's kind of amazing, isn't it? An event that holds so much power for me might not even rate as memorable for other key players. They took a lot away from me that day. Things I didn't even realize I was missing until much later. Like my ability to be freely myself. When I think about the freedom I felt when on that ring, I can't think of another time where I felt comparable. Where I felt I could be loud and open and literally freewheeling. If I didn't use a wheelchair, they wouldn't have thought twice about giving me a pair of roller skates and letting me run wild, regardless of if I was super clumsy or I had a penchant for tripping other children, but put me in a wheelchair and suddenly I'm a danger. These people feared the unknown, and I represented the unknown. They had probably never encountered a disabled child before, and had no idea what I was possibly capable of. If only they could see me now. My words are far more dangerous than my wheelchair ever was. Although it can be used as a weapon if the situation calls for it. I can't tell you not to fear the unknown, because that's human nature. But don't perpetuate the fear of disability, because disability can be known. Seek out disabled people. Talk to them. Learn from them. But not in a weird way, obviously. Disabled creators on social media... Offer so much value and insight. And it's just there for the taking. Continue listening to this podcast and others like it. Let me know what it is that you don't know. And I'll make every effort to shed some light on it. I don't want people to fear me. Okay, that's not entirely true. But I don't want them to fear me because of my disability. I want it to be more of a fear that I'll verbally eviscerate them. You know, cool fear. In all seriousness, send me your questions about disability. Nothing is off limits. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you in the next one.